From the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona, this is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. As the busiest test organization in the Army, Yuma Proving Ground is a magnet for talented engineers from all over the United States. Isaac Rodriguez, who hails from El Paso, Texas, has supported testing on virtually every combat vehicle in the Army's fleet since arriving here in 2006. Thanks for having me. Had you ever heard of Yuma Proving Ground prior to being in college? No, I had not. Didn't know it had existed, actually. <laughs> I was familiar with uh, White Sands Missile Range. Didn't realize that there was a connection between Yuma program White Sands until I moved out here. So you're going to the University of Texas at El Paso, majoring in mechanical engineering, right. and you went to a job fair, and that's when you first learned about YPG. An individual there with a, at a career fair and talking to Yuma Proving Ground. I think I did drop off my resume, and um, but I never got a uh, call back at that point. It wasn't until later. Um, one of my classmates at the time, who actually began working shortly after that career fair here, we kept some connections, and he informed me that they were looking to hire down here. At that time, I really had no interest to leave. I was already starting to grow roots in El Paso, to include buying a house and starting a family. I just had my, uh, my first child, but uh, started talking to him and uh, kind of try to understand what, what he did down here. And, he was working in, in the same combat automotive division, and automotive has always been an interest of mine since the beginning. Um, it's kind of why I went into mechanical engineering. And you helped your dad work on cars when you were growing up, right? Yeah, yeah. Worked with my my dad a lot. Yeah, he's a very hands-on individual, and definitely a fixer-upper, and that type of thing kind of spilled onto me as well. I got an interest early on and uh, like to see how things work and, and also keep them working. That, that was kind of an interest of mine. So, but, but like I said, I had, was starting to develop roots. I had actually was working for a mechanical consulting firm, uh, working on commercial structures, specifically for like HVACs and car suppression systems and plumbing and, and that type of sort of things. I was uh, three years into that before I uh, got introduced to Yuma Proving Ground. Still here. When you started in 2006, that was the height of the surge in Iraq, so the vehicle testing mission here was really hot and heavy. That must have been exciting. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it took a little bit of time to integrate in the division. Um, I'd say a good two, three months, but I'd say I kind of hit the ground running pretty quick. We were pretty busy, and over time was a was almost a norm for us at that point. So yeah, it, it, it really kicked off and um, did my part to, to help. So was the mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicle the first one you worked on out here? No, um, actually I was kind of fortunate to kind of work on something a little bit smaller. <laughs> uh, smaller first project was really a, um, it might actually be a trailer hitch program that was looking to integrate a hitch in the from multiple legacy trailer systems. So it was kind of a small project, but it, it had a lot of different little elements that 
help me understand the requirements for, for testing. And from that, I kind of build up a bigger program, acquisition program at the time was a Hemet-based water tender, kind of similar to a uh, the tactical firefighting truck. So that was kind of a big program at that time. Uh, not huge like MRAP, but uh, kind of a step towards getting to MRAP. And then, yeah, eventually I started kind of getting integrated into multiple efforts to include MRAP, the MATV, the I had been designated as the, the lead on that uh, MATV program in, I think it was 2009, I believe, but uh, kind of started small, but eventually I started working up into the, uh, the bigger programs. And along the way, an industry group named you Tester of the Year, didn't they? Yeah, in uh, 2014, I believe, um, it was the National Defense Industrial Association. Yeah, they... They uh, selected me as the uh, tester of the year. I think my selection was based mostly on my uh, lead effort on the joint like tactical vehicle program. Um, but yeah, that was pretty exciting. Now I know you got a master's degree along the way too from U of A. Correct, Mark. I got an engineering management master's. That was that was pretty good. Again, something again I didn't think <laughs> I would pursue in my career, but I'm glad I did. But definitely. Um, wasn't easy balancing the work life, family life, and also trying to get the master's program. It was a little bit of a challenge, but I mean, that's if I've learned anything about myself, challenges are, are something I like to take on. Clearly, you have vital work here at YPG, but what about the community life and your personal life? Does does the human community help keep you here? The community, I, I mean, I definitely enjoy coming here to work. I definitely enjoy the, the people here, the camaraderie, the the willingness to help one another here. But as far as the Yuma community, but Yuma's, Yuma's kind of grown on me and kind of grown on my family as well. So we, we really enjoy it here. It's definitely a, a difference stepping away from a, a busy city like El Paso. Hey Isaac, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, Mark, no, thanks for having me. Good talking to you. Welcome back to Outpost Outspoken. I'm Brandon Mejia for this segment. U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground has a vast capability of testing the military's wartime arsenal, and that includes its ability to test high-energy lasers, something that many might not know protects the warfighter. Joining us now is Riley Sinek, a test officer working within high-energy lasers at YPG. Riley, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brandon. When we talk about high-energy lasers, you know, these aren't the lasers we played with as kids that we point at the wall, keep the cat and dog entertained, but they're similar in some aspects to... Uh, what's being done here at YPG, just on a much larger level, yes? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the laser pointers you use with your cats and dogs, much lower hazard. Obviously, you can buy them at PetSmart. But these things that we're working with out here, they can have ocular hazard distances out to over 100 kilometers, and just much higher power, much more dangerous stuff that we're dealing with. Wow, and when we talk about high-energy lasers, these are applied to real-time war scenarios. I mean, that's why we're testing them here. How would that be applied, though, in a real-life situation? Yeah, absolutely. So we have high-energy lasers out here for testing specifically with, like, the counter-UAS in this aspect. But we also have other defenses that we have to defend against. So CRAM, counter-rocket artilleries and mortars use high-energy lasers for threats like that as well instead of just, you know, COTS UAS. And when you say UAS, for someone who may not know, that's like a drone maybe flying yeah, into like, an area. Right? Yep, a drone, an un unmanned aerial system. And and essentially, you're, you're pointing this laser at it to take it out of the sky. Exactly, yeah. It's high enough power, enough laser energy on target. We just cook it out of the sky. The electronics stop working, falls to the ground. 
threat defeated. And and with anything on the battlefield, it's tested here at YPG. But what is it about YPG that makes it so we are capable of testing these very large and dangerous pieces of technology? So uh, there are other large ranges, but the beauty about YPG is we're isolated here in the desert, and we have huge airspace and ground space what, bigger than Rhode Island, right? So yeah. plenty, plenty of space that we control, so plenty of distance that we can make sure the lasers leaving at certain altitudes to make sure public safe, keep everybody within YPG safe. But really just the land area, airspace, allows us to, one, fly these drones in a restricted airspace, but also control the, the hazard of the laser within our airspace. And when you talk about how powerful these lasers are, I remember you mentioning, because we talked a little while back, that when these are fired into the air, you don't just have to take into account the airspace that we're controlling, but space itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. YPG controls our restricted airspace. Once it leaves our airspace, now that's FAA's domain. And so we, we had to coordinate with them, make sure that the laser was leaving our airspace above any any public air traffic. Got to keep our, the pilots and passengers safe in the FAA airspace. But this laser, it's never going to stop, just like light. It'll just continue to travel. So that means satellites are coming into play out in space. So we have to work with the laser clearinghouse, coordinate with them, make sure that we're not shooting any satellites out of the sky with this laser because that thing is not going to stop until it hits something. That's fascinating, and especially for how far it can go. How long has YPG been working to, of course, uh, get these technologies to the warfighter? I can say I've only been here for three years, and we've had, uh, I think, in my in my time, two high-energy laser systems. But I know there's been some in the past that uh, that we've used in you know the CRAM type mission and counter UAS, but. More or less, it's an emerging technology. I know that when you're not supporting high-energy lasers, uh, sometimes you're out there supporting the local golf courses. And Yuma, we like to touch on, of course, during this podcast, some of the things our workforce likes to do. What about Yuma that uh, makes golf a little uh, little fun here? Well, you know, it's sunny 364 days of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, nice and warm. You know, we, we have folks come down from Canada, Iowa, just, you know, our snowbirds coming down here just to, Get out of the cold and enjoy Yuma, the sun. Uh, yeah, local courses are great. Mesa del Sol is actually renovating right now. We can't can't wait to see their new greens, new tee boxes with the with their new grasses. Should should be awesome. And that was going to be my next question: is is which one's got to be your favorite golf course? And do you consider yourself good, decent, amateur, <laughs> pro? Where are you at in the scale here? Oh man, uh, I was gonna say everybody's nobody's good, right? Everybody can be better, but. No, you know, I swing it, swing it all right. You know, shoot, break, break eighty here and there, and uh, yeah, local courses. Desert Hills is awesome. Uh, not, not a lot of sand on that course, which helps a lot of folks. Nobody wants to be in a bunker. But then Mesa del Sol, man, that's a good layout. You, you go. got to dodge water, sand. It's got it all. There we go. I like the sound of that. Breaking 80, I can't even get close to that. So we'll just put you at good in my realm of, of, of golf. Riley, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the Army's busiest test center.